Welcome to The Nourished Nervous System, an exploration of stress, the nervous system, and transformative self-care practices for parents and other humans through the lenses of Ayurveda, holistic coaching, somatic practices, herbs, and much, much more. I'm the host, Kristen Timchak, a holistic life coach, Ayurvedic educator, herbalist, and mother of a tiny human. Please join me for information, insight, deep thoughts, and small steps to help you nourish your nervous system. Hello, my friend. Welcome and welcome back to the Nourished Nervous System. How are you? Wow, it's been quite a time. My son was home from school last Thursday because of a mass shooting in Maine and the shooter still being on the loose. We aren't super close to where the tragedy happened, but the school systems in our county decided better to be safe, which I fully support. It's so heartbreaking to have such violence happening so close to home and makes me reflect on all the violence happening in the world right now, particularly in Gaza. And it can be hard sometimes to keep going through my days, business as usual, knowing the grief and horror that so many people are experiencing. And I also know in these times, it's important to double down on self-care and to find the small joys to keep my heart soft and open. It's crazy to feel the heaviness and grief of the world, and then the next moment to be in awe of the beauty of autumn around me. But I think that's a key part of resiliency, to be able to feel the heartbreak of the world and to also be able to feed your own spirit with the beauty of the world, because both are there. It's not one or the other. This being human is multifaceted and full of paradox, and you need to feed your spirit and do your work in order to be able to show up in this wild world. And I think a part of doing inner work and self-care is seeking out people that can support you when you need more support. For the past month, I've been experiencing vertigo. If you've ever experienced vertigo, you'll know it's a condition that happens when the little there's little like calcium crystals that are in your inner ear, and if they get dislodged, uh, when you turn your move your head in certain ways, it creates the world spinning around you. It can create nausea. It's very uncomfortable. If you are experienced, you know it's it's not fun. And so I've had a couple of bad episodes the past month, but it's mostly been manageable. And it's made me reflect on how we adjust to discomfort. So I mostly notice the vertigo while I'm sleeping at this point. If I turn over or get up quickly, but I also notice it if I bend down and to tie a shoe. And if I actually stop and actually tune in, I can notice that my world is gently spinning. It's not an overt thing, but it's just this slight feeling that something is a little off. I'm not quite right, but it's not enough to interfere in my days. And so I've just adjusted to it and I barely notice it. And on one hand, it's this amazing adaptive capability of our bodies and our minds. But on the other hand, it can be easy to not seek out help and live with this these subtle things that are pulling on your energy. So I am going to see a chiropractor, which I know can help, but I have been procrastinating it because I'm, I'm managing, I'm getting through my days. And it makes me think about all the other ways we tend to just manage and not seek out the help that can help us to thrive. So I want to do this episode about coaching because I do think it's something that can help certain folks thrive 
And I also know there's a lot of hype around coaching and also probably folks that aren't totally clear what it is or how it differs from therapy or yeah, whether they're fit for it or not. So I've done therapy at a few different points in my life to help me through challenging transitions and to give me tools to use in relationship and emotional regulation. And I think that everyone can benefit from therapy at some point in their lives. And I was lucky enough in my early 30s to have a group of friends. A few of them are therapists, and they were just a very pro-therapy group of people because before that, I was a little resistant to it. I'd done a lot of inner work through yoga and different spiritual programs, but I honestly, I had a happy childhood with supportive parents, so I didn't know that therapy would be useful to me. But really, let's be real, unless you live in a bubble, it's hard to move through life unscathed. It's like the Ayurvedic idea of vikriti or constitutional imbalances. It's really natural to experience imbalances because you're living in the world, not in a vacuum. And sometimes you get to places where you need support from someone with a specific skill set to help you. And I really love therapy. It's helped me so much in my life, especially as a parent. Parenting has got to be the deepest inner work I've done so far. I've seen parts of myself that I didn't know existed, both beautiful, loving parts, but also ugly, rageful, hurt parts. And therapies help me work through some of this and show up better for my son. So coaching. I had even more resistance to coaching. I had heard of coaching for a long time and had even done a couple discovery calls many years ago, but I didn't totally get it. Or maybe I wasn't quite ready for it. I think I was also resistant to it because it seemed like everyone and their mother were becoming coaches. And at the same time, I was also curious and intrigued by it. I love doing work on myself that helps me to become a better version of me. And so naturally, I was curious about coaching. I also, for many years, thought that I may want to do some type of coaching training in order to interweave it with my Ayurvedic work and to be able to offer folks some deeper pathways of self-exploration. But I wrote it off because, like I said, everyone and their mother were becoming coaches, and a part of me questioned the credibility of the coaching industry especially seeing coaches promising such big outcomes or seeing friends have damaging experiences with coaches. And then a few years ago, when I went through my underworld journey of pandemic postpartum and Hashimoto's, but not knowing it was Hashimoto's and the big question of who am I as a mother and how do I show up in the world and what do I do now to make a living and why am I so full of rage and despair? And I found a really good therapist who helped me get my head above the water during that time. And through that process, the idea of stepping back into my Ayurvedic work and doing a coaching training came back into my mind. And at that point, I was able to listen to my body again because my therapist had helped me get back into a place where I could listen. When I listened, everything said yes to this pathway. So... I started a training and part of it was to be coached and to work through my own stuff. And it was so powerful for me. And then also during my transition across the country, I worked with a health coach to help me with my self-care practices during that chaotic time. I tend to have a pretty strong willpower, but it was amazing to me how much of a difference it made to have someone I was accountable to. I think before I actually experienced coaching, I didn't really get how it helped, 
how powerful it is to be able to create goals and actionable steps and work toward them. And also to do the exercises that help me to get clear about what my values and needs are and also my limiting beliefs and to begin to rewire them to support my life. And that being said, I don't think coaching is for everyone or at every time of life. And you can get the most out of it if you're really clear about what it is and what it isn't. There are a lot of coaches out there and there's no central governing body around coaching. So there are some coaches that have no education or certification in coaching and some coaches that may be working outside their scope of practice or charging a disproportionate amount of money for their services. And I also think there are a lot of really wonderful coaches out there that genuinely want to help people and find a balance between valuing their time with compensation and also giving a quality coaching experience. There are so many types of coaches from high profile business coaches to health coaches, to mindset coaches, relationship coaches, parenting coaches, self-care coaches. And there are a few key factors that you can be aware of if you're considering coaching to get the most out of it. Firstly, coaching is not therapy. Coaching tends to be more present moment and future oriented where therapy is often looking into the past to heal traumas and wounds. In the coaching training I did, which is considered holistic coaching, we may talk about what got you to the place you are or try to identify limiting beliefs that are holding you back from making the change you want to make, but we won't dwell in those places. The purpose of coaching is to move forward, to create new neural pathways and work towards specific goals. And if you're in a place of really fresh trauma or have some unhealed trauma or wounds, you may want to seek out therapy before diving into coaching. And this isn't to say that emotion won't arise during a coaching session or that it shouldn't. Emotion is totally natural, especially when making breakthroughs and changing deep patterns. But it's not in the scope of practice as a coach to do therapy. A coach is just not trained for that and should refer someone to an appropriate therapist or mental health practitioner if what is coming up is bigger than what they are trained to handle. So if you aren't familiar with the term, I've said this a couple of times, scope of practice, it's just what you're able to do with your particular licensing or certificate. So there are therapists that are also coaches, in which case it would be in their scope of practice to work with deeper traumas and dysregulations. They could do both therapy and coaching because they have the training for that. If a person is simply a coach, they shouldn't be giving you meal plans or mental health advice or treating you in any way unless they're also trained in that modality. As I said before, there are coaches that are are also licensed therapists or coaches that are certified in holistic health or trained herbalists. So it is within their scope of practice to incorporate those modalities into their coaching. I've gone through Ayurvedic school and have a certificate as an Ayurvedic lifestyle consultant. So I could hypothetically weave that into coaching sessions. I also have a lot of personal experience with Hashimoto's, but no formal medical training or other training that would allow me to market myself as a Hashimoto's health coach. So I'm not going to bring that into a coaching session. That's not in my scope of practice, even though I have a lot of knowledge and experiences and have found things that work for me and my body. I can't in my scope of practice, talk to somebody about their 
give it, or I can talk to somebody about it, but I can't give somebody advice about their Hashimoto's. I hope that makes sense, that distinction. And even within my Ayurvedic training, I'm a lifestyle consultant. So I could work with people around lifestyle changes, looking at it through an Ayurvedic lens. I'm not, it's not in my scope of practice, working with people with cancer or huge health, health concerns. It's just not what I'm trained to do. Another factor to consider is that coaching is self-motivated. It's not the coach's role to give advice. They may give information or teach certain concepts that help to make connections, but what you decide to work on in coaching, the goals you make, the actionable steps to get you there come from you. The coach will ask questions to help you get clear and may challenge you to help you see certain things and will hold you accountable, but shouldn't really be telling you what to do or giving advice. And this can be so hard for both the coach and the person being coached. And I can tell you this from personal experience as an expert advice giver to my friends, uh, something I'm really working on not doing. It's hard when you're a coach. And it's, but I think it's also a beautiful part of the practice of it is to quiet your own mind and your own advice in order to really see the other person and see what they, what wisdom they have, what they can bring forward. And I think in our culture, we're really used to seeing experts, to going to the doctor or a practitioner that we place our trust in and they tell us what to do. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. There are so many times that we need the help of an expert. And, but that's just not what a coach does. I think the problem with the culture of experts is that we can become too dependent on them or put them on a pedestal and forget that we also have that infinite wisdom inside of us. But our bodies, minds, and spirits are intelligent. And in some ways, there's no better expert on you than you. And so when it comes to making deeper changes, you may be more compliant if you are deciding on the steps you take. And I also think that experts and coaches can work together. If you're grappling with a big problem mentally or physically, and you need the help of an expert, seek out that help. And if you also need help to follow through with what you need to do, seek out a coach. I know on my path, it was so helpful for me to work through stuff with a therapist and then use the coaching to create the changes I needed to make. The other thing that's in that same vein is that how successful the coaching is for you is both about your coach, but also about your ability to follow through. Not everyone is coachable and not everyone is ready for coaching. I think in order to be ready for coaching, you need to be really ready to make whatever change you need that you are trying to achieve. You need to be ready to do things that are uncomfortable or out of your comfort zone because those are the requirements of growth. Another factor to consider with coaching is that for it to truly be effective, it takes time, which is similar to therapy, I believe. Like I talked about in Vibrancy is a Long Game with the building of Ojas, real change takes time. It's not an overnight process. I also speak to this in the episode on transformative self-care. We can have transformational experiences that create a big change quickly, like doing some type of spiritual retreat or plant medicine journey, or even things like Panchakarma. But the deeper change, the sustainable change, is in the small steps that you make each day. The little habits that you change that over time add up and change your life. 
Not that the big transformational experiences aren't powerful or important. I think they're really important and they can really help to create a change in perspective that can be really necessary. But if you aren't changing the little mundane things, then the big peak experiences don't always make a lasting impact. And I know that's not the sexiest point of view, but it's true. Coaching takes time and consistency. You may have a breakthrough and insight in one coaching session, but in order to make the sustainable steps towards the change, you need to take the small steps and be held accountable. It takes time to rewire neural pathways. It takes time and consistency to change habits. But when you can do the work and take the small steps and make the small changes and rewire your neural pathways, you can achieve your goals. Whether they're big goals like transitioning from being a stay-at-home mom to start your own business or small goals like being on your phone less. I also think there are different people and situations that coaching can be really effective for. I think it can help if you are stuck in some area of your life, if you need to get clarity to move forward. It can also be helpful if you have a goal you're trying to achieve but aren't sure how to get there or need some accountability. Some coaches offer programs where they integrate classes and learning into the coaching experience. There are one-on-one coaches and group coaching, but I think the most important thing, which is similar to finding a therapist, is to find someone that you resonate with, someone that you feel comfortable talking to and whose coaching style works for you. Some coaches can be more harsh or strict, which can be the perfect thing for some folks. I think about the Kafa individuals who need a little bit more motivation and someone to call them out a little. Other coaches may be more empathic and have a gentler approach while still maintaining strong boundaries, which can be great for a Vata type person or the kind yet quick-witted, no bullshit coach that could be beneficial for someone with a Pitta constitution. All I'm saying is to find someone whose communication and coaching style works for you. If you're looking for a coach, shop around, do some discovery calls to see if it's a good fit. If coaching feels out of reach because of the cost or accessibility, then find a friend to be an accountability partner can also be really helpful in making changes in your life. Well, I hope that gives you a little bit more insight and clarity around what coaching is and what it isn't. And for your small step this week, think about something that you've been procrastinating. It could be a very small thing, some type of little change. It could be as small as not looking at your phone while you eat or waking up five minutes earlier to do a five-minute meditation in the morning. But something that you're procrastinating, but if you did it, it would make some type of difference in the quality of your life. It would help you to thrive just that little bit more. And See if you can find a friend who'd be willing to be an accountability partner. It could also be a family member. It could be a coworker, but somebody who maybe for the next couple weeks or month or however long you decide on would be willing to give you a text every few days and check in with you to see if you're doing the thing. And you could do you could exchange and do the same thing for them. Help them work through some small habit. And just see what difference that can make in making the changes that you want to make and having somebody out there that's helping you and supporting you, knowing that you don't have to always do it all by yourself. Okay, my friend, I hope 
hope that you find some small moments of joy and beauty to nourish and feed yourself with this week. And I will be back here next week. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening. I'm feeling slightly less awkward, but this podcast thing is still a big learning curve. So I appreciate you staying tuned as I learn. If you are enjoying the podcast, please rate and review. It helps me get seen by people besides my friends. And if you are not enjoying the podcast, I hope you're not still listening because life is way too short to listen to podcasts you don't like. 